Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, we want to take just a moment and welcome Meadville and Newcastle campuses. We love you guys so much. Those of you with us today online as well. Cranberry, would you welcome them today? Come on, we love you guys so much. Of course, happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. Such an honor to just be in this celebration day with you, as well as my mom is here somewhere. I don't know where she's at, but uh, is, is she in this room? If my mom's here, we just want to, there she is over here. Mom, love you, you so up. much. We, we yeah, stand, please stand up. Stand we love up. you. You need to be honored Yeah, today. make her stand up. There yes. you go. Push her up. There you go. Yes. Love you, Patty. Yeah. Just sweetheart. Thank you. And of course, Michelle's going to be speaking today with a panel of women. So honey, thank you for doing that. Uh, before we begin, I just want to make a mention as we approach this wonderful day, please remember as there are many people today that Mother's Day is very, very difficult, for, not just for, for moms and for women, but sometimes whole families, so much so that some of them aren't even able to come on a Mother's Day. It's so difficult. So as we pray in a moment, I'm going to ask Michelle to pray and celebrate with all of us, to remember to pray for those, those women, those moms, those wanting to be moms and families, that today is really a difficult day. And uh, remember, because this is a church where we're not here to see through you, but to see you through. We want to stand and trust God over their lives, whether you're here today, whether you're at one of the campuses, or, or whether they're not even here at all because of the difficulty. So, Shel, would you lead us in prayer over that, please? Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for who you are, that you're such a good father. And Lord, I just lift up every mother today or even families today that are struggling because of things that they're facing and circumstances in their life, Lord. And I just pray that as they leave this place today, that they will know that you are for them, that you're not against them, and that you will give them a hope to see that no matter what they're facing, that you're, you see it and you care about them and every detail of their life and that you want to move and bring things to pass that no other person, no man can do. And so, Father, we just take authority over any kind of oppression that would be on people today. And we thank you for every mother that's here today. And we thank you that you just give them the uh, ability to see how important that they are and that you will be with them in this journey of motherhood and that as they leave this place that they will know that there's nothing greater than what your word says about them and their children in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Well, happy Mother's Day to everyone. And so John usually asks me to speak on Mother's Day, but this year I wanted to do a panel. And so before we start this panel that I asked these incredible women to come and join me on. I just want to share with you the purpose of why we're doing this because as a mother, it is a hard job, isn't it? And you know, uh, we can get so focused on trying to be uh, work this perfectionist life out that doesn't exist. And we forget what our purpose is. You know, legacy is something that God wants us to leave for our children. And usually when we think of legacy, we think of money, we think of family photos or family recipes or skills that we leave to our children. But um, legacy just means making a lasting impact on a future generation long after we're gone. And God wants to do that through you as a mother to your children. And it's to leave a spiritual inheritance to them. And so I just want to read to you Deuteronomy 6. And so you understand that this is what God has called us all to do, and we can do it, even though it's hard sometimes, even though it looks like sometimes that things are impossible with our children, there is nothing that our God can't do. And we have such a calling as a mother. And so in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, it says, write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside of your children. 
Talk about them wherever you go, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. And I love that because when you have kids, you fall into bed at night when you're (laughs) raising them. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. So God's asking us as parents to, to, to live our lives in a way to make those spiritual deposits in our children's lives so that it just won't affect them, but it will affect our grandkids, and it will affect generations long after we're gone. And we can do that as mothers, even though, you know, sometimes, like I said, the journey may seem like, oh, it's too hard, but no, God is faithful. And so I ask these women here to come and do this panel with me. So if you want to come on out now, and these are incredible ladies. They, um, I've seen them leave a legacy in their children. I've already seen the fruit of what they're doing in their kids' lives. And so we're going to just have them introduce themselves in just a minute. And I asked John to to be our MC today. He's an incredible MCer. So. Well, 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 thank you, baby. She, she's crazy about me, I can yes. tell. So. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, let's oh, yeah. just take, let's get this started, yeah. babe. So, Dana, if you want to start, just I'll, I would like you all to just introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about you and your families. Sure. Um, my name is Dana Moore, and I'm married to Pastor Steve Moore, and we have three grown adult children. And uh, and one thing about my husband and I, we've been married 40 years, going on 41 in August. Praise God. So, praise God. That, that's a life sentence for Dana right there. <laughs> I've got a crown and glory in heaven, right? <laughs> and I don't know if the pictures are up, but uh, our children, uh, we have three children, both, all three of them work with Vickery Family Church in, in different areas. But there's a picture of the three of us. That's Rachel, our youngest. She's 25. Next is uh, Sean and his family and Sarah. Happy Mother's Day, Sarah. Uh, as you know, he's the, uh, the pastor uh, at Meadville. And then uh, there's uh, Ethan and Vienna, five and one. And then be Stephanie, she's our second child. She is 23, or sorry, 32. <laughs> and I uh, got that switched around. She'll take that. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, sweetie. And they have Jane, and they're expecting their second child. Oh, that's awesome. Wonderful. Alyssa. Hello, my name is Alyssa Archer. My husband's Ben Archer, and we are the student ministries pastors here at Victory. Um, Ben and I have been married for six years, and we have two kids. We have Mila, who is four, and we have Eli, who's about to be two. Wonderful. Hey, awesome. Hi, everybody. My name is Kelly Selleck, and I have had the awesome privilege of working here at Victory Family Church for going on 15 years. So thank you, Pastor John, for hiring me when I was 10. We're um, into child that. labor yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have two awesome kids. My daughter, Lara, is 12 years old. So we're in the middle school phase. And then my son, Lawson, is nine years old. And I am married to an awesome man named Toot. So yeah. I don't know what that says about yeah, me. Yeah, well, but, um, <laughs> I, you got to tell the Toot story. Now, he is really a wonderful guy. This story doesn't necessarily indicate it, though. But... You got to tell the story when you were pregnant with Lara and what he did because it's one of my favorite stories. I tell it at every men's conference. It I makes do. John feel a lot better. Yeah, yeah. it really does. I remind Michelle when she tells me I'm insensitive. <laughs> it's not not his shining moment, but um, yeah, when I was pregnant with Lara, my first child, um, we lived in a small ranch house, so. 
Like every, you know, growing family, we had to make room for a nursery. So we were moving what was an office space down into the basement, which meant some of his stuff had to get moved out of the basement into the garage. And so I was probably, I don't know, eight months pregnant, you know, nesting really hard. All the moms know what that is. We're moving stuff out the garage. He's getting a little irritated, you know, and he looks at me and he's like, he's like, I'm giving up all this stuff, all my space. I got kicked out to the garage. What are you giving up? Yeah. So, you know, you could tell by his face, it was like, come back to me. <laughs> I don't want to say, you know. So there was a moment of silence. Um, and then he realized it was stupid and all of that. So, but hey, we've been married for almost 16 years. So we've Ooh, learned to yes. forgive and <laughs> move on. But well, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Kelly and Toot. Thank you so much. Because as my insensitivity level goes up in life, evidently, sometimes I always bring you up in my home. And, no. Wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, let's get into some of the questions. Um, specifically, the world we're living in today is, is literally gone nuts. You almost can't exaggerate the world we're living in and how it really doesn't value what you do as moms. Uh, uh, sadly, with what's uh, been uh, sent, said about the Supreme Court, that today all over America there are, there are women literally protesting for the right to, to take the life of their own children. And, and I don't say that to disparage anybody. I think it's heartbreaking that someone could be so desperately broken that taking a life, their own child, betters their life. So please understand, I don't mean that against any human being. But the reality of it is, that's how broken it is. And in the middle of that, and in the, the busyness of life, and the craziness of the world in which we live, you're still called to leave a spiritual legacy for your children. And, uh, and so I want to just focus first with you, Kelly, you have a 12-year-old daughter, a 9-year-old son. So how do you do this? How do you raise children navigating the craziness of the world, uh, working here at Victory, day in, day out, the craziness of life, busyness of life? How do you do that with an eye on a spiritual legacy for your kids? Well, that's an awesome question. <laughs> uh, hard question, but I think, uh, you know, every parent, every mom, you know, our hopes, our dreams are that yeah, these few short years that we have with our kids that we would be able to instill something in them that lasts for eternity, that lasts, you know, for their future. But yeah, how easy is it to get caught up in the day in, the day out, the busyness of life, the changing diapers, the doing laundry, the dishes, the shuttling your kids to every sport here and there and everywhere. And you're just trying to literally get through the day. You know, I remember um, watching Dora the Explorer with my kids. Anybody remember Dora the Explorer? I think she's still around, but um, you know, the end of the episode, she always sings, we did it. We did it. We did it. Yeah. Yeah. We did it. You know, meanwhile, I'm on the couch going, yeah, Dora, we did it. You know, <laughs> like we just got through this day. But I think just even in that statement that we made it through, right? We got through the day. It shows our perspective that, you know, how easy it is in the busyness to get caught up in just trying to get through the day. That we see this life, you know, that God has given us, but we see it sometimes as an obstacle that has to be, you know, overcome or an obstacle that we have to get through instead of an opportunity. Because this life that God has given us, he has given us to enjoy. You know, the Bible talks about in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And, you know, I can see the times where the opportunities where maybe I missed to just spend time with my kids or to, yeah, to maybe pray with them or just to have that joy, to just be able to laugh and enjoy this life that God has given us. And, um, 
Yeah. So I think it's just having that perspective shift that I want my kids to be able to look at a life with Jesus, you know, as a life worth living, that they can see that the life that we live with Jesus inside of us is different than the world lives, that they can see that our home is a place of peace. You know, they can see that the love that we have for each other and the love that we have for people and that unconditional love of God shines through because I want the legacy for my kids is to see that, yeah, a life with Jesus is awesome. And the fruit of that is incredible. So that's, you know, that's my hope is that I would be able to just make that little switch. You know, it's so hard in the busyness, but to make that switch, that life isn't just an obstacle, it's an opportunity to shine Jesus for our kids and for others around us. Thank you, Kelly, so much. And Alyssa, you have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. You probably would be willing to take out a loan just to go to the bathroom alone. So, So how do you approach this in the busyness of life, particularly with your kids at that stage? Yeah, so you nailed it because, you know, just having a four-year-old and a two-year-old, you guys know, the moms out there, um, that my house alone just can feel chaotic just by eating breakfast in the morning. Like, there's just so much craziness going on. Um, so Ben and I have tried to do some very intentional things with our family because um, one of our values is family time. And so we have done two things. And one of those is um, we really, really guard our schedule. Being in ministry, you know, can be busy. There's things pulling on us. And so we've made it a rule for us that we're not out of the house more than three nights a week. And, you know, sometimes things come up, people ask us to do things and we just have to say no, not because we don't want to do those things, but because we know that life is going to try to pull us in every single direction and make us feel like family time is at the bottom. But we want to make sure that family time is at the top. And so we've had to really fight to guard that time with our family. And when we do that, it helps us to do this next thing is be present with our kids. Because, you know, when you're busy and life is pulling you this way and that way, it makes you not focused on what's in front of you. You're thinking about this over here or that over there or getting to this practice. And so when we guard our schedule, it helps us that when we are with our kids, when we are together, we can just stay present and be focused on them. And so what we do to help us is we get rid of distractions. For me, I have to put down my phone. I have to forget about the fact that there's yogurt on my wall and there's crumbs everywhere and the dishes are piled up. I just have to forget about it and get on the floor and play with my kids or maybe snuggle with them or just take time and slow down. And when I take that time to slow down, it really helps me to just see what does my children need for me today? What are they going through? Um, Maybe I say a prayer for them. Maybe, you know, the Holy Spirit drops something on my heart. It helps me to see, you know, what can I be teaching them? You know, these, these days go by so quickly. I'm told that all the time. And it's all about me pouring into them. I don't want to just go through the day surviving and forget that I'm here to pour into them. And at the end of the day, look back and think, all I did was just make it through the day. I don't want to just make it through my days. I want to be investing in my children in the days, even whenever it feels crazy. And so when I slow down, it, it helps me to think about what can I be pouring into you. And the most important thing that I think slowing down does is it helps me to remember that I only have so much time with my children. You know, before I know it, you know, we just, a lot of proms happen, you know, on Friday night. Before I know it, that's going to be my kids. And so I want to make sure that I'm so intentional with these precious days that I get with them. Because the world tries to tell us moms and parents that, you know, it's more important to climb the career ladder or it's more important that your child is the all-star on the baseball team, like whatever it might be. 
and they don't ever, you know, enforce family. And so it can often feel like when you're wiping those boogie noses and you're kissing those boo-boo knees and, you know, you're just taking time to eat family as a dinner, that that is so diminished. And so something that's helped me, uh, you know, I had a moment with God that he really put in perspective the importance of family and what I do is years ago, whenever Mila was first born, um, you know, I was staying at home and Ben was busy with ministry or busy doing something. I can't remember exactly what, but he had been out of the house more than he usually was. And so here I am at home with a newborn trying to figure out how to, you know, do this whole parenting thing. Our house is a mess. I was a mess. I don't even know if I had showered that day. And it was in the evening. Ben wasn't home. I had made dinner for just myself and was doing the dishes and I felt so lonely. Mila was already in bed and here I am, I'm crying. It's like 7.30 at night, I'm alone again. And I'm just thinking, all I've done today was, you know, keep a human alive, which I guess is a pretty big deal. Um, (laughs) But I was feeling sorry for myself. (laughs) Here I am, like I just felt so alone. I had given up, you know, a career to stay at home and I just was feeling purposeless. I was thinking my husband gets to go out and do all these awesome things for God. Like how great would that be? And here I am doing dishes, like the worst chore that there is out there. And I'm crying. And in that moment, I just felt God show up. And he said, I see you. And it wasn't just, you know, I see you in your pain. I see you in your hurt. But when he said, I see you, He was saying, I see what you're doing and it matters. I see you doing those dishes and you doing those dishes is important. You wiping those boogie noses is important. You changing that dirty diaper was important. And so parents, it might not feel like the things that we do for our kids over and over and over is important, but you taking care of your home, you you know, spending time with them, helping them with their homework, all of it matters and God sees it and he's pleased with it. And it is so important. The legacy that you're leaving with all these things that seem menial are so vital in the kingdom of God. And so kudos to you because just keep it up because God is pleased with you. Thank you so much. Leslie, you're such a sweetheart. How many of you are grateful though that she's actually serving as the, the, the student ministry pastor here as yes. well. She's serving yes. your kids. Aren't you glad she's a part of your, your student's life? You know, uh, you, you refer to things, uh, Alyssa, about what's going on really in the culture. And the culture today, under pretty much any viewpoint, is anti-family. You can't find a, a movie that reflects God's image in the family, rarely, uh, without some diversion from it. You certainly won't find it on television. And you won't find it celebrated. So with that reality, the the fact of it is, is that you're called to be a mother. But you're also called to be a mother in a world that devalues it. And and values so many other things more. Now the people who create that opinion aren't usually my age or older when they look back and realize nothing will matter more to you. But at the moment, it's very difficult to do. And so what I want to ask for, for you, Alyssa, I'm going to start with Dana, actually. Dana, let me start with you. You, you were a stay-at-home mom, and, and you made that decision to do that. But again, the culture itself doesn't celebrate motherhood. It doesn't celebrate that decision. And so how did you find your value as a Christian mom when you made that decision? And we're going to deal with the other aspects of being a mom and, and, and the realities of that. But let me start with you because you made that decision to be a stay-at-home mom and left a career. So uh, t- talk to us about that. Yes, uh, I realized it was a very important decision. And every mother and every couple has to answer that for themselves before God. 
And I took it very seriously. My husband and I both took it very seriously. And, uh, and, and, and one thing I wanted to say is, uh, like Kelly, when she's, she's called into ministry, and yet, uh, and, and, and that's, God put that on her heart in calling. And same with, with me. I, had, I felt a calling. I had a conviction that I needed to stay home. So whatever God does, you, you can't compare. You have to find before God what he has, wants you to do. And, and all of them are great, and it's from God. And not one is better than the other. But what you have to do is find for yourself what God has for you and what he wants you to do. And and then he'll give you the grace to do what he's called you to do. And another thing is the why. Why was it important for me? Why for me? One, because it was just a conviction. I knew that I knew that I knew. I I had no question that's what I was going to do. And were the means of money there? No, we weren't rolling in cash. (laughs) And, and, And so if you looked on the outside, you think this is crazy. And I did get pushback pushback from other people, even church members, even loved ones. But when you know that's what you're supposed to do, I stuck to it. And, and, and my husband too. And even if you're a single parent and single mom, whatever God puts in your heart, stick to it. And he will bless that. And uh, another thing was I realized my children were precious gifts from God. And I wanted to be there with them. I wanted to, to enjoy them. I, I wanted to put into them and be an influence to them. Uh, and, and not let the world influence. But I wanted to be an influence in there and put into them the word of God and put in them. And, and to also model it, living it before them. That's another thing. You can say it all you want, but if you're not living it, it's not going to be very fruitful. So living it before them. And to be able to live it and model it is that you've got to protect your relationship. Again, I say relationship. A strong relationship with God, with your heavenly father. And that'll come out. The children will see it's genuine. And they'll see you. How do you deal in the hard times? How do you deal? It's easy to when things are going good. But they're watching you all the time. Those little eyes are watching you. And seeing that you have such a love for God in your relationship with him that I pray and, and ask God, what do I do here? But so living it and modeling it before him. And last thing is, is and, and they touch on, was have fun with them. I, I think that's so important to enjoy your kids, have fun with them. And we did. We had a lot of great times. And, and, and Steve, too, we just had a wonderful time. So that's how we valued it. And, and Thank you, Dana. And, uh, you know, Michelle, um, some, some people, not just moms but dads as well, have absolutely no option but to work outside the home, particularly those that are single parents. Uh, you grew up in the home of a single mother. Your dad left and abandoned your family and threw you all into basically abject poverty. And your mom had to work two jobs or you guys didn't eat. And so there are many people here at our campuses that are listening to us and they don't have the option of a Christian husband, a Christian wife making that decision. But your mom was thrown into into a world that her options were zero. So talk to those people who who really don't even have a choice. And can you speak to them? And, and in a world that only values the work side of life, a world that only escalates, if you will, and, and affirms that, talk to them as they fight that very difficult battle that your own mom did. Give us a little context for what that was like growing up and your mom's perspective. 
Yeah, well, first of all, I just want you to know here at Victory, we celebrate single moms. And let's give single moms yes. a hand right awesome, now. Because you do the toughest job. Single parenting is a tough job. Yeah. And so when uh, John wanted me to answer this question, I, I called my mom and I said, Mom, what would you want me to tell single moms today as I'm talking about your journey and, and, and what, uh, how you uh, made it through? And so... Uh, you know, here's what she told me. She said, the first thing I would tell a single mom would be that don't define yourself by what has happened to you, but define yourself by who God says you are. And sometimes people, they mean well, but they can make you feel like you're a second class citizen as a single mom and you're not. You know, I know when my mom was, we went to a church that we, it was very religious, but it had no reality with God. And so when she she was divorced uh, after she became divorced they told her you know you can't teach Sunday school anymore what a horrific thing but you know uh, God isn't like that and so don't define yourself by what's happened to you because things happen to good people that aren't very fun and aren't very good but you know what God is faithful and what he says about you is that you are a masterpiece you are valuable you are precious you are a daughter of the king and so I want you to if you can't remember anything else remember that that God values you and he sees you as so incredibly precious to him and so also um, she said to tell them not to give up and it's going to be hard and there's going to be struggle and it's going to be messy, but don't give up. You know, in, the, in, in Galatians, um, it says that uh, don't grow weary in well-doing because if you're faithful, you'll reap if, if, you, uh, if you don't give up, you'll reap if you faint not. And it's all of our tendency to give up in life sometimes, and especially if you're a single parent. So I just want to encourage you. She said, you know, as I didn't give up and I did the hard thing and I did what God told me to do, and, you know, she would make us go to church when we didn't want to go. Um, I remember when my brother was a teenager, he would go to church and, you know, she, he would, she would make him go to church. She said, as long as you're under my roof, you'll be in church. And he would be mad fuming in the back, you know. And then she found a church that was like ours, a church that was life-giving. And she actually got saved because she really wasn't saved um, before that, you know. And he would go and she would, um, you know, know he was furious at her. But little by little... He got, uh, he got, or God got a hold of him, and now he's a missionary, and he's been on the mission field for 17 years. I'm in ministry today because of her faithfulness, because she didn't give up, and she did the hard thing. And so, you know, it, the Bible talks about seed time and harvest, and before the seed and the harvest, there's time. There's a lot of time. And, that, and it, it can feel weary, and it can feel like things look impossible, and it's never going to change. But if you will continue to stand on the Word of God for your children, put them around the things of God, pray over them. A lot of the work is done in prayer. You know, standing in prayer and praying over them. He sees your kids. He knows where they are. He knows what, where they're hurting and the needs that they have. And God will meet them. And she said, you know what? And now I see and I have that reward now. I see the fruit of my kids' lives and I enjoy that. And they have never had to go through some of the things that I went through. And so you're changing generations by what you do as a single mom. You're breaking generational curses. You're changing the trajectory of your children's lives. So... You know, don't count that as light and don't count it that you aren't making a difference because you are. And so we just want to tell you thank you for your journey and thank you for what you're doing and, and, the, and the day in and day out of that, that life that you're sowing into your children. It will make a difference. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, Kelly, 
You, you work outside the home. Yeah, thank you, honey. You work outside the home. You, you're employed here at Victory, and you have been for a while. Uh, you have a very significant responsibility here at Victory. You oversee really a third of our, of our operations, uh, and you're one of the really top three or four lead people on our entire staff. Um, and honestly, I mean this with sincerity, that we, we are so honored to serve with you. You are a remarkable person. And I'm not just obviously saying that I've told you that privately. I mean it. Um, but you, God led you to, to work outside the home. There are going to be many people here, here at our campuses that they actually feel that's what they should be doing with their life. Now, also knowing, having watched the way you live, that your children have always come first. And, and that's, a, that's a difficult balance. So in a world that only truly validates half of what you do, how have you maintained that? And just talk to us a little bit about that because there are going to be many, many people in that world. Yeah. Um, well, I think one of the key things is you said, I'm, I feel cult to be a working mom. And that's, that's a huge part of it is that I felt personally like I was called to be a working mom, but you're right. Culture, it's, it's hard. There's so much pressure for moms on both sides of the spectrum, right? There's the pressure, um, to be a working mom so that you need to, you know, you need to advance your career. You need to make something of yourself, right? You need to be your half of a household. You need to bring in that income. So there's the pressure on that side, but then there's also the pressure to be a stay at home mom. You know, it's like, well, you need to put your kids first, right? You need to make that a priority. And really for me, it felt like shame that I was a working mom, that the the side of being a stay-at-home mom was, well, how dare you, what feels like put your your, uh, career in front of your kids, right? And so for me, it felt like that shame. And the enemy just grabs a hold of that. You know, he grabs a hold of that and he puts those thoughts in your mind. For me, he did, you know, like you're not a good mom because you're a working mom or how could you be a hundred percent in the workplace and a hundred percent at home? You could never be a good wife and a good mom and a good friend and all the things that you need to be. Those are the lies that the enemy would bring, but they feel very real in the moment, you know? Um, so for me, it was taking those, you know, looking at those thoughts and having to take them captive and realize that it's a lie because if God has given you a purpose, in my case, it was a purpose to be a working mom. If he has given you a purpose, then there is grace sufficient for you to do that thing. Again, if it's a working mom, if it's a stay at home mom, and I know I'm speaking to more than moms in this place, whatever it is that God has put on your heart to do, there is grace sufficient for that thing. And, you know, I can look back at the 12 years of being a working mom and truly see where I felt like maybe I had the gaps, right? Where I had the cracks and God's grace is so good in those times because that's truly where his grace shows up is in those moments of your weakness. The Bible tells us that his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. And so it's, it's in those moments where you feel like you can't do it because you know, the enemy will tell you, you can't. And part of that is true. You can't do it without him. Whatever you're called to is bigger than yourself. I'll just say that because God wants a continual reliance on him. So whatever your purpose is in life, it's bigger than yourself, but God's grace is so sufficient to show up and provide everything that you need, every bit of strength that that you need. Um, So I have seen God's grace in my life because I've walked in the things that he has called me to. Um, But it's been hard and there's been, you know, times where I've cried and all of those things. But there was a few weeks back, I felt like God really 
solidified this in my heart. I brought my daughter to work with me uh, one day and she was sitting in my office while I was doing meetings. And a few days later, I went back into my office and I noticed that there were some sticky notes on my computer. And I think we have a video um, of that. She left me, it says, peel, I love that, peel off each day. But the first one said, hard worker and great mom. Yeah. So I was crying, of course, (laughs) but I felt like it was God using my little girl to tell me that it's always and with him. It's never or. It's not hard worker or great mom. It's hard worker and great mom. So whatever it is that you're called to, there is grace sufficient for it. So thank you, Kelly, so much. Thank you. The final question I just want you each briefly to go through individually, and I'll start with you, Alyssa, is that I think without question, fear has been weaponized in the culture. It's, uh, there are legitimate reasons for people to be afraid and make wise decisions and, and be circumspect about some of the things going on. But it's been weaponized. It's been weaponized politically. It's been weaponized in a way to manipulate and control people. Uh, and so we're in a totally fear-driven world. Uh, and, and it's paralyzing people. And so I want to just take a moment and ask you and each of you to consider that how do you, how in this world that we're living where everything is based on how people feel, the lie of a generation, how I feel is who I am, which is, an, which is absolutely a lie. And so when you're living in this world that weaponizes fear, the feelings have become individual gods to people. How do you walk in faith and in courage and not yield to that fear in raising your children. How are you doing that? Yes, yeah, so I think it's a very, it's very real fear. There's very real things out there that are scary as parents and as grandparents as we're raising our children. And so I don't want to downplay that. But I want to remind us all that we are called to be in this world, but not of this world. And so while the world might be going one way, we as Christians, we're going to go a different way. And so um, that means that we're not going to be living our lives based on fear. We're not going to be doing things based on fear, but we are going to make decisions on faith. And so this all starts with what does scripture say? And so when your fear says one thing, we got to go back to God, what does your word say? Whether that's about you, whether that's about your children, whether that's about your home, your marriage, no matter what it's about, we are called to be people of faith. And so going back to scripture and having that in our arsenal of our weapons and knowing, God, what do you say? And so I want to arm you with a scripture that I love. And it's Psalm 127.4. And it says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. And so parents, while it's scary out there in this world, I want to encourage you that your children were created for such a time as this, that they were created to be arrows, to be weapons of destruction against the enemy, against the forces of evil. That is what your children were created to be. And so while it might be easy to want to shield them and put our arms around them and not let them experience things and want to just protect them from everything, which is a very real thing as a parent, we, they have been called to go out into the world to make a difference, to make an impact to be effective Christians. And so it is our call as parents in this verse, it says, we are warriors. We're warriors. You might not feel like that as a parent, but I want you to know today that you are a warrior as a parent. And it is our job as parents to equip our children and to sharpen them into the arrows that they were called to be. And so every time you are reading them a bedtime story, every time you take them to church and make them go in their classroom, 
Every time you're helping them with their homework or helping them make a decision based on what the Bible says, you are sharpening the arrow in your children's life. And so just be encouraged by that and know that everything that you do has a purpose. And if there's any students in the room or young adults or children who are living in your parents' home, I just want to call out to you real quick and just ask you to pay attention because this is for you, that while you're in your parents' home, that you guys are in a training ground right now. I'm gonna encourage you to lean into your parents' wisdom. I'm gonna ask you to go to your parents for advice, to ask them questions, to not be afraid to open up to them. It might feel awkward. You might think that they're not cool enough, but that doesn't matter, okay? That's not what this is about. They have wisdom, they have life experience, and they wanna help you to be all that God has called you to be. And you have been called to be effective Christians. And so while you're in their house, lean into their wisdom because they have things that they wanna pour into you. And so be encouraged, parents, because you have something to offer your children. Don't think that you're not equipped. All of this starts with you. All of it starts with you. As you grow in your faith, your children will grow in their faith. So focus on your faith walk too. Continue to come to church. Continue to grow in the things of God. Continue to go to small groups because as you grow, you are being a role model for them and you're learning things that you can pour into your children. Thank you, Alyssa, so much. For, for those of you students that are still at home, just to, just to Enjoy the free rent and the free food because it's going to go away. Enjoy it. Kelly, what about you? Yeah, um, I mean, it is definitely difficult in culture all around us. There's reasons to be fearful, I feel like. But, you know, Pastor John, I've heard you say a million times, fear is a lousy leader. It is a lousy leader. And really all fear is is the absence of faith. And I, I can speak for myself, and I'm sure a bunch of people here at our campuses, I am so incredibly grateful to be a part of this church that is a word of faith church, where you teach the word of God, what the Bible has to say about issues in life, and not only do you teach it, but you live it out. And so I want to honor you, Pastor John and Michelle, for truly, I mean, I've had firsthand experience of the examples that you are of living out what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm so, so grateful for that. Um, And the people that are here are fruit of that, truly. Um, But, you know, I had actually a personal experience with about fear of losing my kids. I was um, back when we started Freedom Group. And for a little side plug for Freedom Group, for those of you who don't know what that is, Freedom Group is one of the small groups that we have here at Victory Family Church that we encourage everybody to go through. So if you've never been through Freedom Group, sign up for the fall and get in freedom group. But when I was going through it years ago, um, uh, we went to the conference. It culminates with a conference. And one of the topics that they talked about was fear. And I remember, you know, just being in worship and I'm, you know, having a conversation with God, like, Lord, I really don't feel like I'm a fearful person naturally. I don't think I struggle with this. And as I was going forward to be prayed for uh, with the prayer partner, he just reminded me, he said, you have a fear of losing your children. And, you know, it kind of took me back for a second, but I was like, oh, you know, you're right. And it really wasn't a debilitating fear where it was, you know, controlling my every action, but it was a nagging fear that was always there. What if, what if this happens when I'm not near my kids, you know, all of those things. And so I went forward and I told the prayer partner this and man, I just love, I love the Holy Spirit because he so used this woman in this moment. She didn't just, you know, lay hands and start rebuking a spirit of fear. She just looked at me and said, fear is, is an idol. That's all fear is. It's something that you are choosing to elevate above God. And she just looked at me and said, do you trust God? 
And of course, like any Christian, you know, you're like, well, of course I trust God. But really in that moment, I had to reconcile my heart. Do I truly trust God? Do I trust that he's, he cares for my children? She just looked at me and said, do you, do you believe that God cares for your children more than he care than you care for them? Do you believe that he's going to care for them and guide, guide them and lead them? And really it was in that moment, that heart switch that I just had to make where I'm like, yes, I do believe that God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me and my children and that he loves us with an unconditional love. And so I had to just remind myself of the trust that I have in God and the love that he has for me and the love that he has for my children. And in that moment, in the light of God, fear just melts away. And that's what happened to me is that fear just melted away. And, you know, I'd love to stand here and sit here today and say, that, you know, I've never had another thought of fear come my way, but that would be a lie. But what, what I've learned to do is that you just have to take that thought captive, right? You have to recognize it and you have to put it in the light of God and remind yourself how good he is and how much he loves you, how much he loves your children. And in the light of that, you know, that, that fear just melts away. It's a walk of faith. Thank you, Kelly, so much. We appreciate everything you are, everything you do. Dana, as you approach us, we also want to thank you for everything that you've done for you guys have been a part of the staff for going on over two decades and you've made such an impact in this church. We love you so, so very much, but share your heart with us. How, how, how are you processing this? Uh, one thing I know I faced in parenting was a uh, fear of inadequacy. And I see women deal with that, that you don't feel, in, you feel inadequate. You don't feel adequate to stand up to the call that God's put in your heart. And, and the thing that um, I love that um, because I was inadequate, I, I saw in the scripture that when it says, if you lack wisdom, he'll give him, ask him wisdom. He will freely, he will generously, one translation said, he will give you wisdom. And I love that. And, and you know what? When you will have situations facing that you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say, you know, it might take you by surprise that your children come at something they say or something they're facing, and you may not have the answer right then, we're not going to know, and the thing, it could be concerned with friends, school, anything that they're dealing with, and totally can sidewipe, you know, and, and what do I do, I learned to just run to God and say, God, what do I do here? And each child's different. And so I had to, I'd leaned on him heavily. But God joys in that because he knows that child. He knows the gifts that are, he's placed in them and the talents he's placed in them. And he so wants to partner with you in raising them up. And then the thing is, you're not doing this alone, yeah. but you're doing it with him, partnering with him. And oh, what a strong, strong team you make. You've got the Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father. You've got your Lord Jesus. Jesus, and you have the helper of the Holy Spirit, and he, he says he'll teach us and show us things, but as we put the word of God in us, and that could be anyway, putting the word of, in, like I use AirPods when I'm vacuuming or whatever that looks like, but put the word in you, and as you do, the Holy Spirit will bring that word back into you, and, and, and whenever you're facing something, that word will come up to you, and he will comfort you in things, when you feel inadequate, he'll comfort you, the, they will cheer you on. And so I want to encourage you to trust in him because you're not doing it alone. And then also, 
that he has equipped you to do. He's given you everything to equip you. There's a scripture in, um, excuse me, in Second Peter 1, 3. It says that he has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, everything that we need. And when he's, he's given us the word of God, and like I said, we got the Holy Spirit, and, and we can ask him and draw upon him. He has the wisdom that we need. And the last thing I want to say is, in Philippians, it says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And that's the key. I can do it through Christ who strengthens me. When I am weak, he is strong. So turn to him, run to him, and he'll give you creative ideas. He'll give you anything that you need. All you have to do is be still, turn everything off around you, and just let him talk to you. But you can do it. We're your biggest cheerleaders here. You can do this because of Christ that's in you. He'll strengthen you. Dana, thank you so much. We love you. Michelle, as you approach us, I just want to take a moment and just thank you for everything you do for this church, everything you do for me. Uh, so much of what you do is unseen, but you are really actually the heart of this church. And uh, I love you so much, and thank you for doing this. Thank you. Well, um, I just want to talk about my journey of when you know I became a mother. I was filled with so much fear. I had been raised in a background of fear. Um, and so when I had this precious little baby, my first son, I'm holding him in my arms and I just was overwhelmed thinking, Oh, I can't do this. What am I going to do? I'm, I felt like I uh, had to be perfect. And I just want to tell you, mom, you don't have to be perfect. And you know that because none of the, uh, none of us sitting up here are perfect. God isn't asking you for perfection. All he's asking you for is to pursue him and to find your purpose. And if you will do that, you'll be an effective mother. And so, you know, um, the one, the, uh, it helped me to know that the word woman in Genesis two, it it is, it's a Hebrew word and it's called Ezer. And that word is used twice for woman in the old Testament It's used three times regarding military allies in the old Testament. And it's used 16 times of God's help to us in the context of fighting an enemy in the old Testament. So as a woman, God says, you are a fighter. You are a military ally. You are called to fight for your family. And a mother's heart is fierce. You know, there is nothing like the heart of a mother. They will stand and fight for their children when everybody else will give up on them. And that is from God. And so, Mom, you are stronger than you think. And I just want to encourage you to fight for your, for your family. Um, you know, there's a story I was going to tell. I told last year about this bird who always tries to make a nest on our back porch during the spring to make that nest to, to birth her babies. I hate and that for bird. how many years now? It's been five years. John's like Elmer Fudd with his pellet gun trying to kill this bird every year. I think it's the same bird. I, you know, I don't no, know. No, it's the same bird. He I never can tell. kills it. Same so. stinking bird. <laughs> And this bird will uh, every year try to come up on our ceiling fan in our back porch. First year we thought it was cute until it made this huge mess we couldn't clean up. So then we started uh, putting, uh, you put string around the porch. And then the bird flew through the string into it still and tried to make the nest. So now we just run the ceiling fan for two months. And then, so we thought, well, man, we've got this conquered this year. And so yesterday, it was so funny because God brought this 
to remind me. <laughs> you know, we, I went out on the porch because I saw this bird fly off the porch, and he had, or she had made her nest on the porch light while the ceiling fan's running on our porch. I hate, I hate that bird. <laughs> so, you know what? That bird is fierce, and she will work over and over and not give up till she makes that nest for her children. And so that's what God called you to do, to not give up, to keep fighting for your family, to stand on the word of God. I want to encourage you, you don't do it alone. That's why we have small groups here. And I'm going to put these small groups up on the screen here, or they are. And I want you to take a screenshot of all the groups that we have for parenting and for mothers. There's great leaders that are leading these groups that want to walk on that journey with you where none of us are perfect. We're on a journey together. But sometimes you need Jesus with skin on them. You need people alongside you to help you in that journey. So these groups will start back in the fall and I'd encourage you to get a, to become a part of one. And also, um, I want you to know that, you know, God, as you pursue him and you pursue his word and you find out about the Holy spirit and that he is called to be your comforter and your helper. Like Dana said, he will equip you. He will give you the strength that you need. You're not doing this alone. And you know what? Sometimes this is where the, um, thing is as Christians we realize that in our weakest moments is when we're the strongest because God says when we're weak that's when he's strong for us he does the, he does the work all we do is is stand and believe and pray and speak the word over our children and impart to them day in and day out in the mundane of life and as we do that that God does a miracle working power so maybe you're here today and you're a mother and your child is far away from God right now and it is the most heartbreaking thing as a mother is when you, you know, put everything and given everything for your child to serve God. But you know what? He sees that child and he's not, a, he's not through. Your story hasn't ended. Amen. He is still working. He works when we don't know that he's working. And so as you pray and stand on the word of God. God will send labors across their paths everywhere they go that will speak to them when they're at moments where their hearts are open. He knows exactly. He knows exactly how to get to your child. And so don't give up on them. I encourage you till they put you in that grave. You stand as a mother. You fight for your children. Because you know what? This culture is crazy. And the enemy doesn't play fair. And he is attacking families left and right. And, and the way he lies now about just the the most bizarre things that we thought maybe even 15 years ago would never happen in this culture. It's happening now. So you have to be aware, but not afraid because God's with you. He gave you your children for this moment in this time. Cause I hear a lot of people say, Oh, you know, and I, my mom will even tell me, Oh, I'm so afraid for your children. But you know what? God birthed them for this time, for this moment to do a work and to go out into darkness and to bring light to it. So just want to encourage you as moms, we love you and we're, we're just so thankful for you. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. You know, as at all of our campuses, I want to take a moment and give every one of us an opportunity to, to know that where you're going to spend the rest of eternity because that's the central. Jesus came to rescue us from our sin stain. Would you all just every head bowed, every head bowed, please, every eye closed. And this is for those of you at all of our campuses. I want to give you an opportunity to receive the one who died for you, not religion. Not a list of rules that you think you can keep to make God like you or or love you. Because every one of us have tasted sin in our life. And and the scripture said that there's no way to rescue yourself or to redeem yourself from that stain before a holy God. And a holy God who is totally righteous, who can never have sin in his presence, judged me guilty 
and he judged you guilty. But then he said, I so loved you that I sent my son to die for you. God came robed in human flesh, born of a virgin, and he lived a sinless life. And when he hung on that cross, the Bible tells us that all of the wrath of God and all of the punishment that would, that would be required for the stain of sin fell to himself. God judged me guilty, and then he took my punishment. When Jesus hung on that cross, he bore your sin debt. When he died, he died for me and for you. When he was buried, he did so for, for you and me. And then when he rose from the dead, he did so to offer you eternal life as a free gift. And so if you've never given your life to the one who gave his life for you, if you believe he is the son of God and he died on that cross to pay the debt you couldn't pay, and you want to make the decision today to receive Christ into your life, I want you to know in scripture he tells you he turns no one away. But you have, you have the decision to make. At all of our campuses, including those of you that are online right now, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you've never given your life to Christ or you aren't sure, I want to pray with you to give you the opportunity to receive him, to be the Savior and the Lord of your life. He turns no one away. So if you'd like to be included in that prayer, please don't put your faith in religion or sacraments of your church or any church, including this one. Only Jesus can make you free. Only Jesus died for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, at all of our campuses, your campus pastors are there standing right where I'm standing here at this campus. I want to give you the opportunity to receive Christ into your life. In a moment, I'll ask you to simply raise your hand if you desire to be included in that prayer. And then we'll all pray it out loud together with you at all of our campuses and you can receive Christ into your life and he'll never leave you or forsake you so with every head bowed and every eye closed if you would say please include me in that prayer I want to know that when I leave this place I have eternal life and I've made Jesus the Lord of my life and Savior with the heads bowed and eyes closed say please include me in that prayer would you lift your hand up at all the campuses right now where I can see it where they can see it do it right now and I want to pray for you do it right now thank you God bless you thank you heads are bowed eyes are closed thank you God bless you thank you ma'am and listen, it, it just it, it, whether you raised your hand or you should have, I want to just encourage you to pray this out loud. And you're not some dead religious prayer. You're receiving the living Christ into your life. And he turns no one away. Pray it out loud where you hear it. And we're all going to pray it together with you. Pray it out loud with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on a cross to bear my sin debt. I open the door of my heart and my life. And Jesus, I receive you now to be the Savior and Lord of my life. Thank you for coming. I am now a child of God. My sin debt is canceled. And when I die, I am heaven bound. Because Jesus is the Lord of my life. Amen, amen, amen. At all of our campuses, would you celebrate with them? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.